Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we're in a series called Forward. Somebody say Forward. Oh, has this been rich? Man, I feel like we have gotten out of the gate strong. Brand new year, fresh word. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking strong today. Uh, This word has been guiding us the entire month as we've talked about forward, Philippians chapter 3. And uh, I want to read it to you again because it's been the anchor uh, that's really carried us for the last three weeks. And really all this month we'll be speaking out of this particular verse. Philippians 3.13, Paul says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I haven't arrived yet. He says, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Can I get a witness? Not that I've achieved. Hushatu Road, remember, Hushatu. We're not as smooth as we think we are. Although Hushatu is really smooth now. And it has lines on it. Come on, somebody. He says, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. The first week we talked about this passage, we we really dialed in on the word focus. We said we've got to narrow our focus. Don't chase a dozen things this year, but focus on one thing. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. If you were here last week, remember the rope. We talked about being tied to your past and we talked about guilt and shame and condemnation and how to get free from the pains of yesterday. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Somebody say press. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? So, so good. I hope you're working on this to memorize it. Get it in your mind. Put it in your mouth. Get it down in your spirit. There's focusing. There's forgetting. And today I want to talk to you about pressing. I press. And you know, every time I read this, I'm just reminded a dear friend, Will Dunham. And Will is is sitting here on the front row. I, I know he doesn't like attention, but I want to honor him for a moment. He is one of our prayer partners. And when I think about this word press, I think of Will. Because Will, when he prays, he prays loud. All right, how many of you, you know people that when they pray, you just kind of like, all right, I, I yield the floor. Man, he touches heaven and he teaches us to press. He says, we got to press. And man, he, now look, he's as strong on the inside as he looks on the outside. Okay, Will's built like an NFL linebacker. Come on, Will. You know, in my heart, I look like you. I'm just saying. You know, the Bible says when we get to heaven, we'll have glorified bodies. I think God gave Will my glorified body here on earth. But Will gets in there, man, some of us guys will gather around, and man, we're pressing through in prayer. Man, you can tell there is a struggle that takes place, and God has called us as his people to press. The word press implies pressure. How many know anything about a little pressure? Oh, yes. Some of you have stepped into a new year, and pressure is coming from every direction. You know, we can't just say as a church, well, this year we're moving forward. And expect the devil to roll out the red carpet and say, well, come on in. 
How many of you know that when you gain ground, the enemy loses ground? And we can talk about moving forward when light steps into darkness. There's something supernatural that takes place. There is a collision of forces. And the Bible says if we're going to move forward, we've got to press. Come on, somebody say press. We've got to press in to the pressure. There's pressure and there, there, there are forces of this world that will come against us. But the Bible says greater is he that is in us. Come on, somebody. How do you move forward with pressure all around you? Well, I want to give you a quick picture. I'll ask some of my guys to come up here. I want Pastor Paul and, and JT and T.O. Fellas, would you come up here really quickly? Hustle, hustle, hustle. Church, put your hands together and show your love. <laughs> Team HPC in the house. This is my squad right here. This is my squad. Everybody needs a God squad. Can I have a good amen? Okay, we're going to give you this little picture. I had this football analogy in my mind as I read this this week. Maybe it's because the saints are playing a little game later on today. Come on, somebody say, who that? And we all know who the goat is. I mean, God bless Tom Brady, but the goat lives in New Orleans. And so I want, these, these fellas are going to help us. Who, who's going to snap the ball? Okay, you're going to be the center. Paul, Pastor Paul, <laughs> you don't look like a lineman, but we're going to have you. <laughs> Come on, how many know that you don't want your lineman wearing skinny jeans? I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Teasing, man. You strong, Paul. You strong. Yeah, you are. And this, this is my illustration. You're going to be strong today. You're going to be strong today. I know JT, JT was a receiver. Running back, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was busting through the line. Today, I'm going to need you to be the line. Is that all right? I know you got some guns underneath there. Bro. I know. And this is T.O., man, T.O., three-point stance, the real T.O., skinny T. He's dropped a few pounds, just a few. But man, there's muscle up in there. You're you going to protect your quarterback today? He's going to do his best. Okay, here's, here's the picture I want you to see. Because every believer needs a God squad. You know why? Because pressure's coming against you. Now, for this illustration, this football right here is what we protect. Football represents your faith. God has entrusted something sacred to you. When you said yes to Jesus, man, you were entrusted with something sacred. And I want you to know what the enemy is after. He's after your faith. You, you may think it's your finances. You may, th you may think it's your job. You may think it's those things, but God, the, the Bible says that the enemy will use those things to get to something even greater, and that's your faith. We've got to protect our faith. Now, we've got to have the, the, the God squad to help us protect our faith, but the cool thing is we've got the playbook, all right? The play has been called. On Sundays, this is the huddle. We're huddling up here with our squad. We're getting the play downloaded into our spirit. Now, here's what happens during the week. Quarterback's got to step up to the line of scrimmage. Y'all guys get down to three-point stance. Ready? Wow. I feel protected here. You know, we step up to the line, and guess what we got to do? As the quarterback, you know what? Not every day is the same. You got to step into that day, and you got to read the defense. Come on, somebody. A good quarterback, he calls the play in the huddle, but then he'll step to the line. Paul, is it okay if I go shotgun, man? I'm not going under center. All right, I'm, I'm going to be back here a few yards. And the quarterback's got to read the defense, and he's, got, he's calling out, 54, 54. 
Y'all see Drew Britt? Watch him today when he, it's gross. It's disgusting. <laughs> Omaha, Omaha. And they're calling out all of these plays, reading the defense. Blue 42, Philippians 3, 13. <laughs> 3, 13. Say, hut. And then the quarterback, now look, you guys aren't moving. Man. <laughs> you got to protect me. They're coming after me. What does the quarterback do? When you get the ball, you've got to look for your players and then trust that the God squad is going to create a pocket. Come on, somebody. I, I got I to stay in the pocket of protection. You see, the enemy, when you get the ball, the enemy wants you to panic. Pressure will come at you so that you will panic. And if you panic, then you run. And when you're running, you can't read the play. And, and then you, you're running. You get tackled and you fumble. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Because the enemy of your soul is after your faith. But if you've got a God squad, you've got a small group, you've got a community of believers, the play has been called. 3.13, Philippians 3.13, say, hut. Now, okay, I've got my head up, head on a swivel. Where are you? George, George O'Dwyer. Come on, you're running across. Come on, George. ULL, come on, man. Keep running. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Boom goes the dynamite. That's pretty good for a baseball player. You got any eligibility left? He's got one year. We got any LSU coaches? Come on, sign him up just for one year. Church, put your hands together. Show your love for the team. Somebody say, so we press. Come on, when pressure comes, you've got to learn how to press. As some of you are watching online, if you're in that chat, I want you to identify what are the pressures that you're currently facing. Maybe it is financial pressure. Maybe it is something with one of your children, a relationship that's not turned out right. Or maybe it's something on your job. Or maybe you feel fear because of the uncertainty of our day. How many of you know pressure will come in all different shapes and sizes? But Paul tells us we're, we're, we're focusing on this one thing. We're forgetting the things of our past and we're pressing in. I want to talk to you about pressing in under pressure. Pressing in under pressure because the truth is pressure's coming. The enemy will call a blitz. He'll try to disguise his defense and he will attack you from every angle. You know, there's probably no greater example of this then in the Old Testament, the story of a guy named Joseph. And I want to spend the rest of our time together today to talk to you about his life. I think he's one of the MVPs. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Heisman Trophy winner when it comes to understanding how to handle pressure. And in fact, if you're reading your one-year Bible, how many of you are tracking along with us in the one year? This is the story, the story of Joseph we will start tomorrow. I think the timing of this is perfect. On Monday, we're going to read out of Genesis 37. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all next week, it's going to give you the details of only the highlights that I'm going to hit today. Genesis 37, starting with verse 5. Now, let me give you a quick context, some background about Joseph. Some of you are very familiar with him. Some of you, this may be a, an introductory uh, informational moment for you. But Joseph, the Bible says that Joseph was a dreamer. And I love it. Has God placed a dream in your soul? Has God placed a desire and a passion inside of you? 
You see, a, a man without a dream is always at the mercy of a man with a dream. Come on now, talk to me. See, part of starting this new year is God depositing something in you, not just for today, but for your tomorrows. Joseph was a dreamer. The Bible tells us that he was one of 12 brothers, 12. How many of you came from a big family? How many of you love big families? I've always wanted a big family. I tried to convince Rachel when we first got married, babe, we need a dozen kids. Cheaper by the dozen. Come on, somebody. She said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Can you imagine being at the dinner table with 12 boys? Crazy. Joseph was one of 12, and the Bible tells us he was his father's favorite. In fact, his father loved him so much, he made a special coat for him to wear. You know, Joseph's wearing stuff from Gucci, and all of his brothers get their clothes from Goodwill. Come on. Joseph's got his Air Jordans and his brothers are wearing Skechers. And the Bible says they hated him for it. Look at what it says here, Genesis 37, 5. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Can I tell you this? Not all dreams are meant to be shared. Mm. Some of you need to write that down. We live in a culture where we share everything. We're excited to post it, and God says, don't post it, ponder it. Come on. There's some dreams that aren't meant to be posted, but need to be pondered, internalized, incubated in your soul. The Bible says when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and all of your bundles, they gathered around and bowed low before mine. Aren't you happy for me? His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about him. Now, I want to give you, again, in, in 18 minutes, I don't have time to give you the entirety of Joseph's story. But I want to give you some highlights that will help us press in under pressure. If you're taking notes, I want to give you three essentials. And first, I want to start with hope. I want to be heavy on the front end with hope. In the middle, I'm going to give you a dose of reality, and then we'll finish with perspective. Are you ready? First thing, number one, it will be better than you think it will. God's plan for you is better than your plan for you. Now, when we get started, we don't really appreciate that. We don't understand that. We think we know what's going to make us happy. Joseph had two dreams. You'll discover when you read it this week. He has two dreams, and he sees both his parents and all of his siblings bowing down to him. His brothers were jealous. They didn't like that. I'm not bowing to you. Who do you think you are? You see, Joseph didn't realize that it was going to be so much more than just his family. It was going to be an entire nation. The nation of Egypt would one day come and present themselves before Joseph. The entire world would be in a famine and they would go to Egypt to get help. And who would be at the throttle of that plan? It would be none other than Joseph himself. I want you to know that God's plans for you are bigger than your plans for you. And they're better than your plans for you. You know, and this is the tipping point for many of us when we step into a new year. We have to surrender our way to his way, our will to God's will. God, not my plans, but your purposes in my life. 
You see, dreams are a lot like movie trailers. Have you seen some, you know, commercials or advertisements for different movies? And, you know, a movie trailer will give you bits and pieces without telling you the full story. It'll give you just a glimpse of what to expect without connecting all the dots. And God's dream for you is a lot like that. How many of you know he's not going to fill in every blank? He's not going to connect every dot. He's going to show you just enough, and then he's going to say, okay, now move forward in that. I'm going to show you just enough so you move forward in that. Many times we don't move forward in what we see because we're worried about what we don't see. We stay stuck in a moment because we want to see the finished results. God's not going to show you the finished line. He's going to show you glimpses and bits and pieces. It's almost like, you know, when you get in your vehicle at night and you crank the engine, your lights automatically come on. Now, that light is only enough to illuminate the next 20 yards in front of you. It's not a spotlight to your destination, but it illuminates what's next. Now, watch this. That light, though it's small, it's significant. It's enough light that if you follow that light, it will get you anywhere you need to go. Do you catch that? And the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, that God's word is a lamp to my feet and will light up my path. God's saying, okay, this year, I got a dream for you. It's bigger and better than your dream for you. I'm not showing you everything, but if you step in the light that I give you, it'll be enough to bring you all the way home. Joseph thought this dream was about his family and his brothers, but the dream was so much bigger. The plan was even better. I want you to know it's going to be better than you think it will. God's plan for you is going to be better. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it hasn't even entered your heart. The things that God has prepared for you. Be encouraged. Number one, it'll be better than you think you will. But number two, let me give you a little dose of reality. It will take longer than you think it will. (laughs) Oh, it just got quiet in this church. Y'all were all excited when I had the God Squad, Team HPC, man, when we were moving the ball down the field. Come on. How many of you have ever tried to move forward and you felt like you were taking one step forward but about three steps back? This is the story of Joseph, okay? Now, watch what happens. The Bible says his brothers, I'm going to give you just the high points of this, and then you're going to read it in detail this week. And the Bible is so much better at telling it than I am. Please read it with us this week. The Bible says that his brothers were so jealous of him that they threw him in a pit. I'm going to tell you, there's some pit stops. There's going to be some pit stops in the process. They threw him in a pit and they wanted to kill him. They debated on whether or not they would kill him, what to do with him. And one of the brothers says, no, let's don't kill him. Uh, Let's pretend that he died, but let's sell him as a slave. So they bring it. Can you imagine Joseph being in the bottom of the pit, listening to his brother's develop a plan for his destruction the bible says some ishmaelite traders came by and and they sold him as a slave to these traders who were headed down to egypt okay now watch this watch this god will use trials as a means of transportation some of you are going through something right now and you're thinking why am i going through this it's not fair why am i always facing a battle why is pressure coming from this area and god's saying this trial is a means of transportation i'm trying to get you where i need you 
Send him down to Egypt. The Bible says he's serving in the house of Potiphar, okay? Potiphar had a wife. The Bible doesn't give her a name, but I'm going to call her Miss Potty. (laughs) Miss Potty thought Joseph was a hottie. Come on now. And she tried to get a little naughty. Saw what I did there. (laughs) Potty, hottie, naughty. Hey, Joe, ooh, looking big and strong. Joe, come hang with me. She tried to seduce him, and Joseph's like, no, 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 no. I cannot sin against God. I cannot sin against Potiphar. It's amazing to me how Joseph goes from the pit to Potiphar's house, but he doesn't lose his integrity. You see, some of you are going to face pressure. It'll be betrayal from people you thought you could trust. Some of you are getting pressure. There's areas of temptation that are coming against you. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Whoa, wait, God, this wasn't a part of the plan. There's pit stops along the way. Joseph, the Bible says he ran from Miss Potty. And then she, she's got his coat in her hands and she tells her husband, that Hebrew slave you brought into our home, he tried to uh, take advantage of me. The Bible says he goes from Potiphar's house and he's thrown into prison. You see, it's amazing to me how the forward plan for Joseph included some steps that seemed to take him backwards. It was 22 years from the time Joseph had the dream about his brothers to the time that he would see his brothers again. 22 years. And yet, you know what? We want to do this thing in 22 minutes. How many of you, patience is a difficult thing for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get out on there. There's some traffic, 5 o'clock traffic on a Monday. Tell me how patient you are. (laughs) You see, patience is not simply waiting. Patience is how you act while you wait. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Turn to your neighbor and say, ouch, he is stepping on your toes. (laughs) You see, My nature is, okay, Lord, I've got a dream, I've got a a passion, I've got a desire, I'm ready to move this thing forward, and I'm ready to accelerate this thing. But how many of you know God has his own timetable? Have you discovered that God enjoys taking his time? (laughs) Somebody say, oh me. Yeah, when God cooks, he does not use a microwave. You know what he uses? Crock pot. Oh, yeah. You're in the crock pot. That's where some of you are right now. You you, want to microwave this thing into your future. I I think about crock pot. It reminds me of my mom. Growing up as a kid on Sundays, we had a very similar routine. We would get dressed early Sunday morning. We were going to church. There was no negotiation. There was no arguing. The decision had already been made. All of us kids, our, our clothes were laid out. Daddy had already decided we were going to church. And mom, early Sunday morning as we're getting dressed, she would pull out that crock pot and she'd, she'd put in a nice roast. Come on, a big old chuck roast up in that crock pot. Man, put, put a little water in it, turn it on, and man, that gravy. I mean, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, rice and gravy and roast. Come on, Holy Ghost right there. The Holy Trinity right there. We'd leave for church, and, you know, that thing was cooking all day long. We'd get back in the afternoon. Come on, because when we went to church, we went to church. Oh, yes, we did. I mean, it wasn't like this little drive-by. Come on, it wasn't fast food. Uh, give me a little number three with a supersize. It wasn't any of that. We get back home and walk into that trailer, and, man, as soon as we opened the door, the whole house smelled like heaven. I thought, you know, God reminded me, he said, Mike, do you want a TV dinner 
or do you want roast rice and gravy? How do you want this thing to turn out? You know what? Unfortunately, we like to accelerate and move faster. And God's saying, I'm not in a hurry. Why? Why does God take his time? Because he's trying to get you ready for the thing he's got ready for you. Now, some of you missed it. Some of you missed that right there. I'm going to take a moment to talk to the singles, okay? Because I know we talk about marriage conference and some of you thinking, man, what about me? What about us? Don't you know that we're here? I know. I get it. I'm with you. I want to encourage you. God is doing a work in you, getting you ready for the one he's preparing for you. And so I know it's tough. And it's not easy to pump the brakes. But just know this. God, if he were to give that thing to you before you were ready for it, it wouldn't bless you. It would destroy you. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 105, verse 19, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. You see, there was a timing to this thing. Come on. When we press, when we press, Lord, I'm pressing in, but I don't see breakthrough. You know what? God's saying, I'm getting you ready. I'm testing your character because it's not the right time yet. Please be encouraged. Even when you don't see anything happening, something's happening. There's something at work, and it may not be on the surface, but it may be deep within your own soul. Are you catching this? You see, when you press, you got to trust in the timing of the Lord. There's always a beginning, there's an end, and then there's an in-between, okay? There's a beginning, there's an end, and there's an in-between. And you know where many of you are today? You're in that in-between. That's where you are, and that's the hardest part of it. Well, it's fun to have a dream. Joseph's telling his brothers, hey, check this out. Aren't you happy for me? Exciting to start. Hey, the finish is going to be fantastic, but it's making it through the middle that counts. How do you make it through the middle? There are two things that God will give you, two things that you desperately need. Number one, you need faith. Number two, you need some patience. And faith and patience are inseparable. Can I tell you why? Faith works on my problem while patience works on me. Faith works on my problem, but patience is working on me. God's at work. Just be faithful. Be faithful. Scripture says in prison, Joseph, and it's amazing, and you'll read this this week. Everywhere he went, whether he was in the pit, Potiphar's house, or prison, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. God is with you. Whatever season you're in right now, the presence of the Lord is with you. The Bible says that a man in prison had a dream, and he couldn't figure it out. And so he talked to Joseph about it, and Joseph interpreted the dream. He says, hey, here's what this means. In three days, Pharaoh's going to call for you, and you're going to be restored as cupbearer to the king. Hey, and when you get out, he says, don't forget about me. Here he is. Joseph was a, a young man with a dream, interpreting other people's dreams, but he couldn't get his dream to move forward. I'm telling you, this is so rich. It is so good. Well, the Bible says one night Pharaoh himself has a dream. Can't figure it out. Calls all the wise men of Egypt and says, hey, listen, somebody got to tell me what this dream means. Nobody could figure it out. And finally, that cupbearer says, you know what? Oh, I made a mistake. 
There was a Hebrew boy when I was in prison. Pharaoh, remember when you were mad at me and you sent me to prison? And then three days later, I came back. I came across this boy. There's something special inside of him. He can tell you what your dream means. And the Bible says Pharaoh calls for Joseph out of prison. Notice what the scripture says, chapter 41, verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. And he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes... He went in and stood before Pharaoh. Notice what he did. He shaved and he changed his clothes. Can I tell you this? You dress for where you're going and not for where you've been. Mm, Come on, can I have a better amen? You dress for where you're going. Somebody say forward. Some of you need to change the clothes of your mind. You're wearing yesterday's clothes, and God says, no, 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 no. See, when you came to church today, you got up and you got dressed because you knew where you were going Some of you got to change the the clothing of your mind. Redress your mind because God's bringing you somewhere. Now, the Bible says that Joseph stands before Pharaoh. He interprets this dream. There's seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. You know what, Pharaoh? Here's what I think we need to do. Well, you know what? Pharaoh promotes Joseph to prime minister. Nobody more important in all of Egypt than Joseph other than Pharaoh himself. And guess who comes to Egypt needing grain? Those brothers. The same guys that threw them in the pit. Now all of a sudden, after 22 years, the pit, Potiphar's house, prison. Now Joseph is at the palace. And here come his brothers. And the Bible says they bow before him. Look at what Joseph says in verse 20. He tells his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Notice what Joe says. You had a plan, but God's plan was greater. You meant it for evil, But God took your evil intent and he used it for good. Why? Not so that Joseph could stand over his brothers, but so that Joseph could save his brothers and their family. You see, the last thing I want you to see, number one, it's better than you think it is. God's plan for you is better than you think it is. Number two, it's going to take longer than you think it will. But number three, it's less about you than what you think it is. This is about perspective. God's plan on you is not just for you. What God is doing in you is not just about you. Joseph said, God brought me to this position not to be a Lord over you, but to save you and your children and their future. That's perspective. When you can embrace the fact that it's not about me, that's a game changer. It's not about me. I remember several years ago, and I think I've told this before, on a Wednesday night we had a service right here, and it was a freedom night. We said, hey, if you know those who are in bondage to drugs, alcohol, sexual addiction, whatever life-controlling substance, invite them to that service. Man, we're praying, we're fasting, we're believing. God's going to set people free. And I remember it was a powerful night. I probably preached for maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Felt like God gave me a word on John chapter 8. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. We talked about freedom, how to get free. 
and uh, prayed for people. Altars were just packed, and you could see God just, I mean, breaking chains off of people. It was one of those nights that you just never forget. So on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I'm at the gym. The next morning, it wasn't 12 hours later. I run into somebody, and she was just so excited, and she said, Pastor Mike, last night was amazing. Oh, it was so good. The worship was incredible. Spirit of God was moving. And I was actually preparing for her to say something nice about the sermon that I preached. Oh, come on, don't look all religious out there at me now. I like, yeah, yeah, that was a good word. I mean, I really studied for that. And then I had some fresh rev. I know surely she's going to say something complimentary about the message. She said, Pastor Mike, last night was so amazing. The worship, the Spirit of God was moving. Were you there? <laughs> Literally. I was like, <laughs> uh, kind, yeah, I think I was. Uh, I kind of preached. Remember, I kind of, remember that word? I kind of said, oh, she, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. But let me tell you what God did in my life. And so she starts unpacking all this stuff that God did in her life. And the Lord was reminding me. He was like, son, <laughs> don't make that moment about you. It's not about you. Even the best I've given for you. It's not about you. It's to go through you to somebody else. You see, Joseph in the Old Testament is a type of Jesus in the New Testament. Think about this. Joseph was one of 12. Those 12 brothers would be the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph had a brother named Judah. Judah would become its own tribe from the tribe of Judah. From the tribe of Judah came the Jewish nation, the Jews. Oh, and one day the Jews would need a king. Who would show up to be the king of the Jews? The Messiah, Jesus. You see, God used Joseph to bring salvation, not to just his family, but to an entire nation. God used Jesus to bring salvation to the whole world. And let me tell you, Jesus understood pressure. Press. The Garden of Gethsemane. It lit, Gethsemane literally means press. And had Jesus caved into the pressure that day, there would be no hope for you and me. But guess what? Because he overcame in Gethsemane, that garden the garden that you and I messed up in, the, the, the garden of Eden. Remember Adam? We all came from Adam. In that garden, there was failure. But in another garden called Gethsemane, there was success. And because of his success, it brought salvation to you and me. Listen, God says my plan for you is better than your plan for you. But it's not just about you. Amen. Do you receive that? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.